United Soccer Coaches is proud to bring you the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast, covering all aspects and all levels of the game we love. The United Soccer Coaches podcast is presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer announcer Dean Linky, the longtime television and podcast voice of the association. Now, here's Dean with this week's show. Today on the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap, we visit with Donna Fischer and Anson Dorrance. Donna Fischer is considered an architect of team culture and player development. You can learn more about her by going to Donna Fischer, F-I-S-H-T-E-R.com. And today, Big D breaks down strengthening player mentality. One person who knows all about player mentality and winning is, of course, Anson Dorrance, the 21-time national champion at the University of North Carolina women's soccer. He was also the head coach in 1991 when the USA won the first ever women's world championship. And the great thing about having Anson on during a busy soccer time is there is no question you cannot ask him. And that's exactly what I do as we bounce around with the great Anson Dorrance. I call him the greatest college coach, any sport, any gender of all time. It's Donna Fischer and Anson Dorrance after this message from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap. Does managing your club or league feel like a second job? If so, you might need some help. With Team Snap, you can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, everything you need is online, which means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to learn more. Team Snap is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Donna Fister is considered an architect of team culture and player development. In today's society, it is coaches that have the greatest impact in an athlete's life. That is why Donna is so passionate about educating coaches on how to connect better with players and build mentally and emotionally strong athletes. This intrinsic focus with individual athletes filters into how the culture of a team functions. Donna believes the beliefs and behaviors of players can be mobilized in such a way to create ownership in the team and what the corporate world calls fierce loyalty. To build this foundation, coaches need leaders they can count on to influence teammates and shape the culture. Leadership is key in any organization, and that is why Donna Fischer became a certified leadership coach, and that is why Donna is a fixture at the United Soccer Coaches Convention as a presenter and panelist, and that is why we often ask Donna to return to this program, the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. Welcome back, Donna. Dean, it's great to be here again. Yeah, it is indeed. Always great to spend time with you. And in our last conversation a few months ago, you, Donna Fister, said the integration of coaching style, coaching environment, and player mentality is key to getting more out of your players. So on this week's show, Big D, as she's known, wants to do a deep dive into player mentality as we are coming up on the start of college and club seasons. This is a subject that is going to be said guaranteed in every single environment at least once, if not more. So here we go. Let's dive into strengthening player mentality with Donna Fisher. And Donna, as I just said, we talked last time about getting more out of players. We discussed the impact of coaching style when you're trying to push an athlete. Now we've got this topic of player mentality. Lay some groundwork for us. How do you define mentality in your work? Yeah, so with preseason upon us, right? I mean, this is the hot topic. And like you said, the, the integration of coaching style, coaching environment, and player mentality is, is huge. Mentality for me is 
having the capacity to take on using your mind and and having the capacity to deal with anything there's tons of synonyms that that we use that we we toss around right toughness mental toughness grit mindset they all have kind of their own little twist on things but mentality is huge and i would say coaches look make sure make sure that you have your definition of what it is and that you, your players understand what you're talking about i can remember sometimes being on, being on you know uh, fields and coaches constantly saying this word and i'm looking at the players and you just assume they know, but they all kind of have their own maybe little version of it. And so set up what your definition, your culture is going to, how, how your culture is going to define this word and, and then run with it. Would you say there is a lack of mentality with a percentage of players? And can you pinpoint why, Donna? Yeah, I do. I do think there's a lack of mentality and, you know, any players that are, that are listening, this may not be you. <laughs> Because I do think there, there are some that have a, have a strong mentality. And I think some can, can grow and, and strengthen, which is you know, obviously why we're having this talk. The whys, this is gonna be hard for some, for some parents to hear. Well, let me just put it out there. If you're a parent listening, I think players, when they're, when they're constantly told by their parents that you know, they're, they're superstars and maybe the word superstar isn't used. And I know parents, you, you want your, your, your player, your kids to, to feel good about themselves and, but they're not always going to be the superstar. So there's gotta be a balance there. So I think that can, that can cause a lack of mentality later on. I think sometimes parents are trying to protect their players. They're, going to the coach and, and talking to the coach instead of helping and equipping their their child to go talk to the coach themselves, right? So uh, kind of flying in and, and taking taking care of everything for them. It doesn't allow the player, and yes, even at 9, 10, 11 years old, having ownership over their development and their career and doing some some tough things. Another why I would say is when kids are told they can do anything they want to do and they can be anything they want to be. I mean, I can get behind that because we want kids to dream, but that really isn't reality. It's not. And so I think there needs to be a reassessment there. I mean, back to what I mentioned in the, in the last, uh, our last conversation, the instant gratification, immediate results, generation that players have grown up in right it's it's opposite for for them to think that they have to push through something and something's going to be hard and I can do this and it might take me a little while but I'm going to get something at the end they, they don't understand that because everything is instant gratification for them and so that works against them them having a strong uh, strong mentality I'll say this last, you might have a player that you think has a strong mentality and, and they've been a superstar, let's say. They, they were the superstar in their, in their club, in their youth club. But let me, they, they get to your campus 
from college perspective and they're they're there's a, a hidden potential. They're not maximizing their potential. So here's here's a, an example. This is an experience I had. So years and years ago, I'm training my goalkeepers at uh, UCF, and we're doing uh, just a plyometrics, fast footwork uh, stuff. I've got a first year player, right? She just arrived into camp. She's the top player from her club, successful, right? But at all intents and purposes. And I'm watching her do this footwork and, and I walked up to her at the break and I said, is that as fast as you can go? And she just kind of looked at me like confused. I said, I, she goes, you think I can go faster? I said, oh yeah, yeah. And, and I think I can go faster than you are. She goes, huh, okay. And wouldn't you know, <laughs> right? I mean, she blew it away in the next round. And so I met with her afterwards in the office and I said, look, You've, you've got more capacity in you. And I think you don't even realize it because you were successful at, you were successful at the rate you were, you know, you were going in your club. And so you don't even know that you can push, you can push yourself further than that. And so it was just kind of this eye-opening, eye-opening experience. So I think it's a blend of, a blend of those wise other ones but those are you know what what comes to the top of my head so if i'm a coach that wants to strengthen a player's mentality where do i start big d and what's the conversation in the beginning my framework is i always like to start with the kid with the players understanding okay there there's a difference between who you are and what you do who you are is your authentic self i call it what you do is your performance self, but you know, the soccer piece, academics, all of that coaches, you know, draw up their sessions. That's what they do. But who you are is your character, your, your values, your self-worth, your self-esteem. And so I can have a, I can have a not so good practice and not feel horrible about myself and who I am. So that framework, that's foundational for me, for a player to understand that. Another piece, they've got to know that they can lead themselves and stop waiting for everybody else to give them the answers. I I love, there's a a video on YouTube, these two uh, people, they're right on an escalator and they get stuck on the, the escalator stops and they're just standing there. And they're like yelling, they're yelling around, hey, can, is there anybody out there? Can, can somebody come help us? We're stuck on an escalator, an escalator. It's like, hey, dude, dude, hey, just take a step. Walk up, walk up the stairs. But how many times, Dean, have we do players and myself as a human being and as a coach, we're standing on the escalator, like yelling for somebody to come fix it. Somebody else give me the information. Somebody else do it for me, right? When all we, when we have the power within us to take the step. So I, I like to kind of hand the baton over to the player in the very beginning at foundation and say, okay, you, you have the capability. You have the power within you. Let's tap into you know, what, what you've got inside of you and let's try to be the best version of you. We're talking strengthening player mentality with Donna Fischer. We're gonna take a quick break and be back with more on this topic with Big D. 
looking for ways to improve your training session? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for more than 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential to every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to elevate your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Welcome back to our visit with Donna Pister. You can check her out at DonnaFister.com. Remember, that's Donna, F-I-S-H-T-E-R.com, where you will find her inspiring greatness and in all that she does. Today, we're talking about strengthening player mentality. Donna, when you walk onto a field, what are you seeing and hearing that tells you a player has a strong mentality? When I see a player enjoying challenges, right, when a coach when a coach says we're going to end, we're going to end with fitness. I'm immediately watching body language, facial expressions. And when I, when I see that player that it doesn't phase them, right. They're, they're immediately walking to the cones or wherever they're supposed to be. That's that strong mentality. I mean, body language shows body language is a billboard of your mentality. It, it really is body language. Facial expressions is a billboard for your mentality. So that's what I'm watching uh, as, as things sort of unfold, right? In, in a session, when a, maybe a team's lose, small sided game, maybe your team's losing or a player's made some mistakes. If I see them sort of talking themselves through it and you can not even verbally hearing words, but you can see in their brain, their, in their mind, they're talking the self-talk, the positive self-talk, they're, they're getting themselves through it. And they're, they're digging in when it's tough. You can see it on their face. And a, and a player that's engaged in practice, they're bringing energy, especially that when they walk through the gate and they're you know, beginning of practice, they're putting on their boots, their demeanor, the vibe that they have, the energy vibe, you can tell if, that's a, if they have a negative vibe, that, that's probably, it's probably not a, a player that has strong mentality. So I'm, I'm looking at, all of those things uh, to kind of pinpoint which players are which. So you may have answered my next question kind of with your final thoughts on that last one, but I'll ask you to dig deeper into, and that is what shows you that a player may be struggling with mentality. There are struggles when you see perfectionism, when there's uh, perfectionism with self-criticism, they're not receiving coaching points. Well, they don't receive compliments. Well, I think that, that is another sign if they're complaining about discomfort right and i mean coaches i'm, I'm preaching to the choir here you're like yup 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 <laughs> when i see those things complaining about discomfort about circumstances oh it's so hot stop talking about how hot it is outside it's summertime it's hot if you if you're saying something about it then you don't have the capacity to deal with it. Players, you need to reframe that. All of those things, I, I key in on, okay, this is a, this is a low mentality player. We, we've got to do something here. We got to get to work. In your view, Donna, how are coaches responding to the player that struggles with mentality? I think we respond several different ways. Notice that I said we, because I'm not immune to this. I, I have to navigate how I respond. Uh, and it can be frustrating to a coach. I think we coach players with the expectation that they're going to be the player that we were, you know, when, when we were a player. 
And so many times they're not. And that immediately hits a nerve with us. And I think that is, that's most difficult to navigate. So I'd caution coaches in a few areas to consider about how they're responding. Sometimes I think we as coaches have a fixed mindset. We look at a kid and say, this kid has maxed out his or her potential in this area of mentality and coaches kind of wash their hands of it and sort of ignore it. Sometimes I think we as coaches, we tell them the obvious, hey, stop giving up after your mistakes. Uh, hey, you need to be tougher. Well, we're stating the obvious, you know, this isn't giving them solutions. And, but we do that sometimes as coaches, right? And so I'm throwing these out there for coaches to kind of self-reflect and say, ooh, yeah, maybe, maybe I am doing that in, in this scenario. Uh, another one, I think sometimes coaches respond by calling players out publicly uh, in front of their team. Now, this may, this may work, and, and I would say call them out and give a solution because it might help another kid too. But look, coaches, you got to know your athlete. This is the coach-player relationship. And so calling them out publicly could be shaming. It, it can be demeaning. And they, that may not be the kid to, uh, to do that to. So we, we've got to, we have to manage and navigate ourselves. I mean, this is a little bit of emotional intelligence of how we, how we respond to these players that are struggling. You're hearing the wisdom of Big D, Donna Fister, leadership coach and team architect. And as we close out our conversation on strengthening player mentality, my final question for you, Big D, is what is your advice to coaches on how to help their players with this all-important issue? Yeah, I think we need to add this mental piece into our programs. So many of us, we've been talking about this for, for years. And whether it's the coach yourself equipping the players uh, or bringing a specialist in to your program into this area, you know, in this area, or you know, seeking out some curriculum that you know, an online curriculum that your players can can work through. W whatever way you bring it into your program, you, uh, coach, have to be talking about it and helping implement it in the daily activities. And I think sometimes this is the missing piece. Is you know, we have somebody come talk to the team or they're doing this stuff online, but we're not, they're not hearing it from us. And so we've got to start bringing some of this language uh, into our cultures uh, and weaving it into our training sessions. Some places I start with players is I talk about all of us being imperfect human beings. I mean, again, th this touches on the perfect, so many players are perfectionists like full on or, or, or have tendencies in this way. And so I'll bring up some pro players and just ask, hey, hey, did you see them make some mistakes on TV too? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so if the best of the best, they're making mistakes and they're still getting on with it, right? They're, they're still considering themselves great. Is it fair? Is it fair to expect perfection from yourself? All right, so I'm going to help those players reframe their mistakes, right? And, and reframing, it could, could be, hey, okay, I made this mistake and 
it's exposing where I need to work, right? So that's a good thing. A mistake gives me the opportunity to practice being confident. Confidence is a skill, and so we have to practice it. So I have that opportunity now, right? A, a, a mistake is expanding my mentality, right? And, and Dean, I'm a recovering perfectionist. That's, that's what I call myself. Like, I know this, I know this area well. So I live with managing this still every day. That's why I call myself recovering perfectionist. Okay. So helping them understand their imperfection and that it's okay. Next, make sure that they understand their brain is gonna work against them. Our default as human beings is self-protection, self-preservation. Like when it starts to get hard, like that moment in training, in fitness, uh, you're making mistakes and it's like, ooh, your brain is gonna try to talk you out of it. Your brain is gonna try to take the easy way out. And for players to understand that they can, they can make a choice and not allow that to happen. So a tool that I give my players is uh, Mel Robbins. She, she wrote a book called The Five Second Rule. And there is so much science and information out there about this, just Google it hashtag five second rule basically in a, in a the cliff notes when you have a thought or an impulse to do something you have five seconds until your brain is going to talk you out of it if you hesitate you're you got five seconds that you need to act and so the five second rule is literally like a rocket ship is taking off you count backwards five four three two one boom and on one you act. I love it. Strengthening player mentality with Donna Fischer. Donna, you get a chance to kind of promote where you're headed. I know you're going to be spending time with different colleges. You're hitting the road here soon. Give us a little taste of uh, what you're headed out to do as we wrap up our time with you today. Yeah, I am preparing for my preseason tour to uh, all the colleges that are in starting preseason. I'm leaving August 3rd and I am going to probably 10 different campuses and we'll return August 30th. I got a huge suitcase, uh, lots of things to pack, but I'm excited about the, the growth and uh, change that can take place in preseason for, for different teams. Exciting time. Donna Fister, leadership coach and team architect. You can check her out at DonnaFister.com, Twitter at Donna Fister, Instagram at Donna Fister. Donna Fister, inspiring greatness. Thanks for kicking off this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast. Thanks, Dean. And coming up, Anson Dorrance, 21-time national champion. He was the head coach of the 91 women when they won the first world championship. We'll talk Olympics. We'll talk team training camp as they get ready to get started. We'll talk NWSL, and we'll even ask him about strengthening a player's mentality. Anson Dorrance on the bounce. Hello, college coaches. This is Dean Linky with a special reminder. Registration is now open for the United Soccer Coaches College Services Program. Registered programs have access to a variety of benefits, including eligibility for awards and rankings, individual membership discounts, a dedicated liaison working on your behalf with organizations like the NCAA, NAIA, NJCAA, and so much more. 
United Soccer Coaches helps you develop your entire coaching game the way you help your student-athletes grow as people. For more information or to register, please visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash college. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. As promised, the greatest college coach, any sport, any gender. He is a U.S. Soccer Hall of Famer. He is United Soccer Coaches Hall of Famer. He is simply the great Anson Dorrance. Anson, thanks for joining me. Dean, my pleasure. All right, well, we're going to cover all things soccer, which is so great with you because one of the things you always said, if uh, you don't want an answer, don't ask the question. I'm going to ask the questions, and I'll take any answers. We'll start with uh, the first topic. Donna Fister led off covering strengthening player mentality. Just kind of a thought from you on how important that is for your team's success. Well, I think it's important for any team's success. In fact, I talk about this all the time. I talk about, you know, nine qualities that are critical for you to choose when you wake up in the morning, if you want to truly become elite and what they are is self-discipline, competitive fire, self-belief, love of the ball, love of playing the game, love of watching the game, grit, uh, uh, coachability and connection. And connection is how you answer this question. Do you love your teammates and do they love you? But of all the nine things I just reviewed, the ring that rules them all is competitive fire. So to me, that's the final measure in athletic greatness. But it's also in our game, I think, the final measure of team success. Because obviously, uh, when you look at our first game uh, in the Olympics and you look at uh, uh, Sweden and what they did to us, it was clear they checked that box. They came in with such an extraordinary competitive fire. It looked like you know we weren't even interested in playing. And it wasn't so much that, you know, Sweden was, you know, smarter than we were, more technical or tactical or, you know, basically better. It was that, my gosh, they lit themselves up and came after us and they competed. And that's the margin because we've seen the United States do that sort of very same thing to so many teams in our history. Um, so that's the quality that I think has always separated the United States. And yet in the opening for this Olympic Games, that's uh, a statement that Sweden made. She, they basically uh, beat us at our own game. Well, let's stay with the Olympic team because they did respond, obviously, with a nice win over New Zealand. But then the 0-0 result against Australia means they don't win the group and means they face the Netherlands in a rematch of the World Cup final. So did the U.S. do themselves a disservice by not playing better in the group, or can they handle the Netherlands and advance in this Olympic Games, and how do they advance in this Olympic Games? Well, I think what we have to ask ourselves is what was the object for uh, uh, Vladko? And I think his object was to survive, to basically get into the round of, of eight teams, the quarterfinals, without expending much energy. And it looked like both teams were trying to figure out a way to advance with a tie and not expend a lot of energy because obviously uh, um, both teams did advance. And uh, now what you've got to sort out is if that was a good strategy. So if all of a sudden we come out in the next game with all this piss and vinegar, you will know that we rested legs in that game. Because if you look at the rhythm in this Olympic event, it's a it's a very aggressive uh, series of matches without too much rest in between. The only other way to sort of survive this and get into the quarters in great shape is to play a completely different roster in the basically final game of group. If you are in a luxurious position to do that, because and you certainly can do the math, but I think uh, without me uh, doing math off the top of my head, I don't think if we had even won that game, would it have made a difference as to whether we advanced first or second out of group? 
So if it didn't make any difference, do we want to sort of basically shoot ourselves in the foot by killing ourselves in that match in order to advance by winning it and then have nothing to show for it except for an exhausted team? So maybe uh, we've got to give Vladko some credit. Uh, not that any of the critics out there will do anything except, you know, hammer the U.S. team and Vladko for not finishing first in the group. But uh, maybe that was settled in the first game. So uh, maybe this strategy was a good one because you could see he had a low line of confrontation, which meant his strikers didn't do that much work defensively. Uh, he rested some key players uh, like Haran and uh, Tobin Heath. He got to rotate players like, obviously, uh, Davidson in place of Dahl Camper. Uh, and so maybe he's going to get what he needed out of this game because they're in the round of eight. Uh, the only sort of hazardous thing about not finishing first in the group is it looks like uh, we're going to play the Netherlands. And that is not, <laughs> you know, a route of choice you would make in the quarters. Um, but a part of that is because of what Sweden did uh, against us in that opening match. So maybe we have to give Vladko credit. Uh, maybe we have to wait and see if uh, this was good strategy, if we come out in this next game with, uh, with more energy and with a different uh, decision on how we're going to advance. Anson, I'm going to ask you to be armchair coach slash quarterback here now, knowing all of what you just shared with us and knowing that everything we've seen, if you were to roll out an 11 based on what you've seen so far, who would you start against the Netherlands, Anson? Can you do that for me? Yeah, I mean, obviously, everyone's got their own opinion. We're all shaded in directions that are certainly self-serving. So, you know, for me, Tobin Heath would never be on the bench in an elite game. Uh, so she would certainly start for me at right wing. The center forward position is interesting because I think uh, Alex Morgan gives us something in the nine that Carly Lloyd doesn't give us. But Carly Lloyd gives us something that Alex doesn't give us. And so uh, maybe in this game, uh, I do give the time to uh, uh, Carly. Uh, because she's going to come in a bit fresher. Uh, and then the left wing, uh, I think I have to decide based on what I see in the Netherlands. Because the thing that's really good about uh, Rapino is how against even elite defenses, she's going to figure out ways to get her cross off. She's going to create a chance or two for herself. She's going to be very good on set pieces. So do you want her in the game? Or if there's a, a physical mismatch between the right back for the Netherlands and uh, Kristen Press, you then play press in that position because of pace. So I can see, you know, being married to any of those scenarios I just reviewed. And midfield is a sort of an interesting other kind of uh, uh, decision-making process because I think against teams that are physically combative, I guess I would want my heavy cruisers out there. Like against uh, Sweden, it was shocking to me how Sweden basically ended up nullifying Rose Lavelle even though Rose Lavelle can run past anyone except a Swede that steps in front of her move, absorbs the contact and lets Rose, who's a lot smaller than the average Viking woman to basically, you know, collapse in a heap after colliding with, you know, one of these iron sided Vikings. And so maybe what we do against a team that's going to be equally combative like uh, Netherlands uh, in this next round, maybe we start our heavy cruisers. So obviously that means Ertz because she's going to win the air, air game. She's going to be very good in the tackle and maybe Mewis because again, because of her size. And then maybe you also start Haran because again, she can survive the collisions, but also like Ertz and uh, Mewis is going to be very good in the air. 
Um, so maybe those three start and maybe what you wait for, for Lavelle, who, by the way, is an absolutely brilliant player. And even in this lineup, I'm not basically trying to convince anyone about her lack of, of, of contribution or uh, level. Then what you do with uh, Lavelle is you wait until about, you know, 10 to 15 uh, minutes into the second half. And then you throw her out there. And by this time, you know, the midfield for uh, the, uh, the uh, uh, Dutch team will be heavy legged. And then it doesn't matter how strong you are. If you can't move anywhere to move anymore to invite the collision, then Lavelle goes blowing by you to create numbers up. And of course, by this time, because of our extraordinary depth, you've got some of the kids I, we didn't decide to start that are also coming in. They're also extraordinary in their own way. And so maybe that's a part of what happens. And then what do you do with the center back positions? Because uh, obviously I think uh, uh, Tierna has done a nice job uh, and could certainly uh, start for us. Uh, but, you know, I would be hard pressed to ever leave Sauerbrunn off the field because of her leadership and decision-making. Uh, but honestly, I'm a fan of Dahl Camper. Uh, and even though I don't think she's having the best Olympics, uh, she's a quality player that can serve the long ball perhaps better than anyone on the roster. Uh, that's a very experienced player with great credentials. Uh, so uh, I am completely indifferent as to which pair start back there. If it's uh, Tierna and uh, uh, Sauerbrunn, I have no issue. If Dahl Camper's in the mix, I have no issue. You can uh, mix and match uh, those three and still come out with a great combination. Obviously, I don't think you can put Crystal Dunn on the bench uh, against an elite team. And I think, uh, honestly, uh, game in, game out, uh, Kelly O'Hara is an aggressive little sucker. And I don't think you take her off the field either. And obviously the goalkeeping, um, I think we can stay with. But I think we've got all these different choices. And, and I'm not married to any particular starting lineup, but I am married to matchups. And uh, I'm sure Vladko and his staff have done a great job deciding uh, what they want their matchups to be. Uh, but for me, uh, I think we've got an excellent team. Uh, we've got uh, kids in the bench that, you know, maybe haven't played at all right now that might be an option for us against an elite team like Holland. And right now it's managing fatigue and figuring out a way to get uh, your most, uh, your freshest and most aggressive collection of players on the field uh, to win a game like this, where you have to advance. And based on what you said there, assuming that let's say he does go Rapino over press, that means press Morgan and Lavelle are available on the bench. Does that mean then as you, decide who your other players are on the bench. Cause remember you can only name 18. If you got those three attacking superstars, do you try to make sure you pick two or three defenders just in case something happens in that back line? Yep. You can certainly do that. Uh, but what you can also do with Ertz, as we know, maybe it was the 2015 world cup. She has no issue playing center back for us. And uh, maybe if the amount of energy she's spending in midfield is overwhelming and one of our center backs is fatiguing or gets hurt, I have no issue dropping Ertz back. Uh, she's going to still dominate the air. She's going to still win your tackles. She's going to be a great leadership presence back there for you. So you don't really have to have uh, an enormous number of defenders on your bench when you have a, a young woman like that that's incredibly capable of dropping into that back line as the center back because uh, she's already won a world championship uh, in that position. Um, so, uh, uh, I don't think you have to stack up your reserve unit with, uh, uh defenders, uh, just because uh, you've got Ertz that has the versatility to play multiple positions for us. Are we in a situation that where anything short of a gold medal is a disappointment? 
Yeah, unfortunately, the United States has sort of painted them into that corner, um, themselves into that corner. This is a positive problem. Uh, obviously, it's never a positive uh, problem for a coach that's under huge pressure. Uh, with obviously uh, the trolls out there criticizing every decision he makes. And for anything short of a gold, uh, somehow he's going to be swept into the conversation. Um, but this is a positive problem. I mean, if success for the United States is gold or better, it doesn't get any tougher than gold medal. Um, but that's basically what we've done. Uh, it's the most positive problem that you can imagine. Um, but it is the, the interesting sort of dilemma that we're in. Uh, and in a way, I, I, I'm comfortable with that position. I've been in that position, obviously, uh, when I coached the national team, but also coaching at the University of North Carolina. I understand that dilemma. I mean, there are no other programs out there that consider, you know, uh, anything else other than a, a national championship uh, a concern. Uh, but that's the way my collegiate program is also evaluated. And it is, it is, you know, uh, an incredibly high demand, but I wouldn't have any other way. And I don't think uh, a Vladko or the U.S. team would have it any other way either, uh, because we've done this and it's an incredibly positive thing when basically what we accept is gold medal or nothing. We're here with the legend that is Anson Dorrance. Going to take a quick break and be back with more Anson. We're going to talk NWSL. And we're going to talk about the start of what I believe is his 45th season. Is that right, Anson? 45, is that right? Oh my gosh, has it been that long? <laughs> uh, it sounds, you know, it's in the 40s somewhere. Maybe it is 45. I think it's 45. Anson Dorrance on the bounce. United Soccer Coaches Advanced Diplomas have long been regarded as an excellent way to expand your coaching knowledge, advance your career, and improve your player's development. Now, with our blended format that incorporates online and in-person learning, coaches with ever-demanding schedules can earn their diploma in the most time-friendly way possible. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash advanced-diplomas for more information. This is Dean Linky again, and I wanted to take a moment to salute all of the great people that made this year's United Soccer Coaches Digital Convention such a great success. I had the great honor of serving as one of the hosts, and it was one of the best weeks in soccer I've ever had. With that, while the 2021 United Soccer Coaches Digital Convention might be over, you can still get involved as we're just getting started. You can still register to receive access to all session recordings and the digital convention platform. Chat with your soccer coaching community and take in top level presentations from coaches around the globe, all at your own convenience. To register and receive access, visit unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. That's right, you can still register for the 2021 United Soccer Coaches Digital Convention and have access to all of the amazing presentations. I hope you can take advantage of the special offer. And again, visit unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. I am with a legend and also a dear friend to the association, Anson Dorrance. We just covered the USA in the Olympics. And really, Anson, I do feel like post-Olympics, there may be a changing of the guard. And for good reason. I've been calling a ton of NWSL games and Sophia Smith starting to light it up. Trinity Rodman looked as good in the second half the other day against Racing Louisville as any player I've seen on both sides of the ball. I mean, she was scoring goals and then she was back in the 18 defending. I mean, there are some young superstars on the rise waiting for their chance, right, to represent the USA. 
Yes, and uh, you're, you've got your, your finger on the pulse of what's going to be happening here because obviously this team we've taken to the Olympics is what uh, anyone would call an old team. And these are uh, players that are sort of having their last hurrah. And so there are going to be a lot of gaps on this roster. And the other thing that's about this uh, a World Cup roster, it's a larger roster than the Olympic roster. Although I love the fact that the Olympics basically made it a 22-player roster rather than 18 with four alternates because there's nothing more, gosh, chemistry destroying than all of a sudden you're in a different city than the team you're playing for, training on your own, what, playing 2v2 tournaments with uh, four alternates with an assistant coach. I mean, talk about one of the worst experiences of your lives. Uh, that would be it. Uh, so I love what the uh, what they've done. I also love the fact that uh, uh, they've got a deeper substitution bench. Uh, as you know from the philosophy that we have at UNC, I've always uh, felt that playing a deeper bench is very positive for all so kinds of reasons, certainly player development. But not just that. I think it's, you know, it's going to protect the players more, especially if you play a pressing game. Uh, and also, it's just, I think, uh, the way to play. I think uh, this, this helps us. Uh, so I, I like this, the rules in uh, this Olympics. Um, and I think one of the reasons it did go through to have five is because of the, the schedule. It's compressed. And I think uh, there are health uh, uh, repercussions if they don't play a deeper roster. And I think a lot of the coaches are trying to take advantage of this. Uh, so I'm excited about what's going on, the evolution of our game. And that's certainly a piece uh, I've also appreciated. Well, one of the great things is, is the NWSL keeps rolling and it always creates future stars. And, you know, and Trinity Rodman is obviously taking advantage of it for sure. Ashley Hatch is taking advantage of it. There's a lot of players like that that will take advantage of all of these Olympians, not just U.S. Olympians, but other Olympians being gone from their team. There's no question. I mean, so more uh, people are playing uh, because the NWSL has been stripped of, in effect, you know, 22 players. Um, so, or, or I guess 21 since uh, uh, Katarina's uh, playing uh, in Europe. Uh, but I think this is really good for those kids that have a chance to play. And I'm enjoying the heck out of the games. I watch as many as I can, and I'm really enjoying the league. I think it's a, an outstanding league, and I think the teams are getting better. I think the coaches are producing a very high level of the game, and I am thoroughly enjoying everything about the NWSL. Well, and one of the things you have to love is every team has a Tar Heel on it. You know, Louisville the other day, Fox, you know, was brilliant. Although I, I think they should just send Fox up top and tell her to go do everything and score goals the way Andy Sullivan does things for the spirit. And then Julie Ashley got into the game. Paige Nielsen, did she play for you, by the way? At, yeah. At yeah. 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 Um, Paige played for me. And yeah, I love watching my kids on all these different teams. And everyone knows I root for the team that has a the most number of Tar Heels on the field. And if that's a tie, the most number on their roster. So all the girls understand how I root for teams. Although I'm rooting for every single player. Uh, and it is fun for me to try to rotate through the games and watch all of these uh, wonderful former players of mine, you know, scattered around, you know, as you've said, every team in the league. So for me, that's, that's incredibly enjoyable. Speaking of enjoyable, Anson, we went to break talking about the fact that this is your 45th season you are 70 years young and you look great. I'm sure you feel great. You still got that fire ready to roll as you get ready to start preseason. You'll be playing games here real quick, Anson. Yes. Well, we are so excited because we had a lot of kids come in for a second summer session, uh, which I love because our strength coach gets to work with them, uh, which means they probably have come into preseason a little fitter because of their work with Greg Gatz, my excellent strength coach. 
And that's been fun. But also, I just love these kids. And one of the worst things about, you know, not having them here in the summer, but also one of the worst things about the pandemic is you didn't really get to connect with too many people, uh, certainly because of all the different protocols that were in place to keep all of us safe. But also, uh, I just miss uh, these kids and to have them all back in this uh, freshman class coming in that I think is a very good class for us um, is going to be a lot of fun because last spring we had so few seniors on our roster. Uh, we couldn't even scrimmage 11 the 11 half the time because we had so few kids here because uh, we had, you know, three kids that signed in the FA Women's Super League, one with Manchester United, one with Arsenal, uh, one with West Ham. And of course, the Arsenal player is on the Great Britain roster. Lata Wuben Moy is playing with GB. And I'm proud of that. <clears throat> and then, of course, we lost uh, three kids, in effect, to the NWSL because Foxy and Taylor Otto, uh, Foxy number one player drafted, uh, Taylor Otto number 11. And then, of course, Pinto, who's trying to uh, fight her way under the field with Gotham, was the number three choice. And so uh, to have these six kids basically all go pro during their senior year, for me, was very exciting, except when we had to get <laughs> enough numbers for an 11 the 11 scrimmage in the spring, which of course we didn't have enough numbers. Um, but we have a, a new freshman uh, group in right now. We'll have no issue getting to 11 the 11 uh, this fall. We'll have a, a much uh, a larger roster now. So we're incredibly excited, Dean, and we can't wait for uh, basically next Tuesday when, you know, let the games begin. That'll be our first day of practice and we can't, we can't wait. Anton, I had the great honor of doing the vision of a champion with you. And one of our guests was Mac Brown, who is the same age as you. And Mac's like, you know what? Age is, is just a thing. It, you know, it's just a number. It doesn't mean anything. And he's acting like he might go 10 more years. Do you think about that at all, Anson? Do you have a timeline at all? Well, Roy Williams is a good friend of mine as well. And what's really interesting about Roy is his mentor, Dean Smith, uh, told Roy that, you know, Roy, I retired too early. And so Roy didn't want to do that. And so I was hoping that Roy and I would, you know, coach into the sunset. Um, but unfortunately, he decided uh, to uh, basically uh, retire. I have no interest in retiring. I'm enjoying things too much. And I'll be completely honest, my staff is extraordinary. I mean, between Damon and Heather and Chris Dukar, who are doing all the heavy lifting, but also my, uh, uh, my directors of operations, uh, Tom Sander, Corey Emmerich, and then uh, Britt Bartok that does my social media stuff, which by the way was a looking back, what a brilliant hire, especially now with name, image, and likeness now on the horizon for all of us. I have a full-time, you know, media uh, young woman in Brit, who by the way is brilliant at this. <clears throat> I've got a great staff, uh, so I don't have to do the heavy lifting anymore. Uh, Mac also has a great staff, and so I'm sure that he's turned over a lot of his heavy lifting over to his very, very competent staff. And by the way, his staff comes out there and plays pickleball with me. And boy, does he have a collection of athletes that are his assistant coaches. Because I've been picking, you know, pickleball balls out of my teeth uh, from <laughs> his staff, smacking them into my face. Uh, so we're enjoying uh, everything. And I do not want to retire early. Um, and it's clear that Mac doesn't either, because uh, like me, he's enjoying himself. And now I'm hoping that we can get Roy out there with us because Roy is such a good friend and I know he would enjoy the heck out of this game. I love it. I'm going to end with this Anson and it's going to get a little bit deep, but putting politics aside, knowing that what we've had to deal with, with this pandemic and knowing that there is a bit of a resurgence of COVID. And the last thing we want to have is your team get started and then you lose players. And yet 
you know, Anson, I think it's probably going to happen. It's going to happen to some team or whether it's soccer or a different sport. If you had the keys to the kingdom, all right, and you were the chief of all chiefs, what would you do to make sure that we're all safe? I would basically uh, make uh, vaccinations mandatory. It's not complex. We don't have to bring politics into it. It's a question of uh, the safety of everyone in the community. And yes, we want to make sure people have the freedom to make choices for themselves. Yes, there are certainly uh, religious uh, uh, principles that might come into play that might uh, uh, convince someone not to get uh, a vaccination. But honestly, it's such a simple box to check. And it doesn't have to be a political box. And I think what's unfortunate right now is everyone's so afraid to say, yeah, let's make uh, vaccinations mandatory because all of a sudden you're making a political statement. I'm not making a political statement. I'm making a statement for safety. Um, and one of the reasons I have absolutely no issue making that statement public is my wife is immunosuppressed. And if she catches this, she dies. It's not complex. And so for me, this is not an issue that I've got to fight you know, political wars over. I love my wife. I want her to stay alive. I don't want there to be any reason that I'm going to pick this thing up and bring it home. Um, and so uh, we have no issue. So we are recommending that everyone that's associated with our program, from players to managers to analytics people to even visitors um, and trainers and everyone else, that if you're going to speak to one of my players, make sure you're vaccinated. If you're going to come visit me and speak to me, make sure you're vaccinated. Uh, and uh, if you have any issues with this, uh, you know, please mask up. And I have absolutely no issue of making that statement. And I don't want it to be a political statement. It's a statement about uh, the woman I married in, you know, 1974. This is to uh, keep her alive. And so this is not a political statement. This is a statement about making sure that everyone's safe. Uh, and certainly for the mother of my children, I want to keep her safe. And how do I do that? Well, I insist that everyone that plays for me, um, I need you to get vaccinated and I need you to make uh, good choices. And um, I have absolutely no issue making that statement. And it's not a political statement for me. It's a it's a statement about safety. Anson, thanks for always answering all of our questions and always having time for United Soccer Coaches and being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Ian, I always love it. In fact, uh, um, I love coming on because your introduction for me uh, has my ego soaring like a hawk. So for at least several seconds, I feel like you've taken me to a different realm. So uh, Dean, you're a classy person. I really appreciate uh, our friendship, but also appreciate the organization we both work for because the United Soccer Coaches, in my opinion, is one of the significant organizations in this country that have inspired me. And there is nothing I won't do for that organization. Full stop and amen. I want to thank Big D, Donna Fischer, and the great Anson Dorrance. also want to thank Sean Chevro and Erica Dyer and Jonas Wirth and Bailey Conklin and all the great folks at United Soccer Coaches, as well as our producer, Colin Thrash. For each and every one of them and all of you, I'm Dean Linke. We'll see you next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by TeamSnap. Thanks for listening to the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. To learn more, visit unitedsoccercoaches.org and teamsnap.com.